Thanks for listening to Hallelujah, I Have Breakthrough, hosted by Kiara Bryant. Listen every Wednesday and Sunday as Kiara talks about walking in victory, breakthrough, and overcoming by the Word of God. Hey everybody, happy Sunday. I hope you guys had a great week and I hope you guys are having an amazing Sunday. I have a continuance of Wednesday's word today. So I just wanted to come back on and talk to you guys about that. There are some things that I talked about that I didn't really complete. Um, in my, I had things that were written down in my notes that I didn't get a chance to talk about. So I'm going to talk about those few things today. And especially because I got a little bit more clarity on on what I'm going to be talking about today from another pastor, Pastor Dallas at Revival Today Church. So yeah, I'm going to be talking to you guys still about being redeemed, about our Redeemer, Jesus. But so a little backstory, if you haven't listened, I'm just going to recap. Um, if you didn't listen to Wednesday's episode of the podcast, I highly recommend you go do that because then you're going to know what I'm talking about. But I'm just going to recap a little bit of what I talked about and what's relevant in relation to what I'm going to be talking about today. So in Wednesday's episode, I talked about the difference between causative and permissive tense. So causative tense means when we're talking about it through the Bible, through the lens of the Bible and in relation to God. Causative would say God caused this thing to happen. Permissive would be to say God permitted this thing to happen. And while I was in Bible college, I got one of my textbooks and It's the Bible Healing Study Course. I'm actually going to post this on my Instagram and probably an Amazon link to buy it. I, it is so, so good. Um, If you are battling with a physical affliction and you want to be healed, I'm not saying that this book is going to heal you, but it's going to give you a lot of revelation. It's going to teach you a lot about healing and how to contend and how to have faith for your healing and basically just knowing that it is God's will to heal you and it's a it's a pretty thick I mean it's not thick but it's about a hundred let me see a hundred and thirty five pages 138 pages actually and you can read some of Kenneth Hagin's stories and notes and whatever he whatever wisdom he wrote down here and um, scriptures and things like that that he has in here and just really get it deep in you because it's like I mean like a study course it's literally a study course like a study guide of healing scriptures and why you can believe why you can have faith for healing and just I don't know it's really good so I'll link that um I'll either post it on my story or make an Instagram post about it. So if you don't follow the podcast on Instagram, go follow right now. It is at H-I-H-B podcast. So out of this book, one of the first things that I, when I was doing this for school, that really stuck out to me because, so today I'm basically going to be talking about Job and Job is a book that a lot of a lot of believers have a lot of confusion about many believers have many like have a lot of confusion about that book um some people will say well god caused job to blah 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 and some people will say no god allowed and some people will say 
no, God had nothing to do with that. And I'm one of those people where it's like, no, God didn't have anything to do with that. So yeah, I'm going to be going through that. And also look at the entire book of Job because a lot of times, well, people will be like, well, what about Job? Uh, God struck Job with this sickness and he killed all his family members and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, okay, well, did you read the entire book? Did you read the whole thing? Did you see how the book of Job ended? So I, and just a disclaimer, I'm, I haven't even read the full book of Job. I've read the beginning. I've read parts in the middle and I've read the end where everything, where God comes in and speaks to Job and when Job gets everything restored back to him. Those are the parts of the, of the book of Job that I've read. So I haven't read the whole thing through and through. So I'm not really an expert about Job, which is why I haven't really talked about it up until now. And still, I'm like, I don't want to talk about things that I don't know about, but I'm just literally going to be reading from this study course and then quoting back to you what Pastor Adala said that brought um, more clarity and revelation about the book of Job for me because, yeah. So... If you're a new believer, I don't recommend you starting off in the book of Job. I, Like I said in the last episode, I definitely recommend you starting off in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What I recommend to people is start off in the book of John. John is like a complete gospel. And Acts shows the church that we are today. You know, because even though Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are in the New Testament, Jesus still ministered under the Old Covenant. He ministered under the law. So we don't live under the law anymore, but it's just to get a good picture of Jesus and who Jesus is. That way you have a right image of who God is because Jesus is the express image of God. Jesus is God. He's not the father, but the father and Jesus, their will is the same. God doesn't have a different will than another. God, the father doesn't have another will than God, the son. Jesus says, I don't I can't remember it's in the book of Matthew when the Pharisees are saying that he's driving out demons by the power of the devil and Jesus says a house can't a house divided against itself cannot stand so if God the father one part of the Godhead and God the son another part of the Godhead and obviously God the Holy Ghost is in that Godhead too but we're Holy Spirit wasn't here on earth dwelling among men when before Jesus died or before Pentecost, before Jesus ascended to heaven and sent down Holy Spirit in the book of Acts chapter three. So God, the father and God, the son cannot have two separate wills. Their wills are the same. Their goal is the same. They want the same thing. They're not divided because a house divided against itself cannot stand. So it works that way in the kingdom of darkness and it works that way in the kingdom of light. A house that is divided against itself cannot stand. So when you look at Jesus, you have to see Jesus as you see God the Father because they are one. Jesus said, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Now they have different roles. It's through Jesus that you're saved, but he says, pray to the father in my name. So we don't pray to Jesus. I don't say dear Jesus when I pray. No, heavenly father, dear father, dear God, God. I call him by his name, whatever name, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, El Shaddai. We pray to God, the father in the name of Jesus. So anyway, 
like I said, I'm not going to talk much about the book of Job because I don't really know everything. But in Job chapter one, in the beginning of the book of Job, it says he was blameless and upright. So Job was a righteous man. He feared God and he shunned evil. That's what the Bible says. So this is Job chapter one. It says there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. I don't know if that I said that right. Uz, Uz, don't know. And that man was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. All his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household. So that this man was the great, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. And his sons would go and feast in their houses each on his appointed day and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with him. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned, cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did this regularly. So I'm reading in the New King James Version. It's my favorite version to read out of, but if you didn't understand what it was saying basically Job's sons would go out and eat and drink and have feast parties or whatever and they would invite their sisters and they would drink feast and whatnot so Job said maybe my sons have sinned maybe they've cursed God in their hearts so I'm gonna make these sacrifices just in case so in verse 6 it says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. So the angels, and then Satan came among them. So the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand, and touch all that he has, and surely he will curse you to his face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Satan came to God. He went to heaven. All the angels were there. Satan was there. God was there, obviously. And he was like, what have you been doing? Or where did you come from? And Satan said, I was going back and forth to and fro on the earth. And God says, have you considered my servant Job? And he, Satan said, you've placed a hedge of protection around him. And God said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. So everything that Job had was already in the power, the hands of Satan, because Satan is the God of this world. So if you don't know, the book of Job is actually the second book after Genesis. So it's kind of like in the middle in the Old Testament, but the Bible is not written in chronological order. So the book of Job comes right after Genesis. So this is after the fall, like before there was a law that was written. So there wasn't even a covenant yet. Like there wasn't even the Abrahamic covenant, not Abrahamic. There wasn't even the, the old covenant, the, the law, the law of Moses. There wasn't even that yet. So basically 
and I'm going to talk about it a little bit when I when I read out of this study course but because Job was making sacrifices for his sons without even knowing if they cursed God without even knowing if they were sinning he was fearful and this is why I was talking about the year of no fear so much in last week's episode at the beginning because when you are living in fear when you speak fear when you live in fear and walk in fear you are a walking open door to the enemy to have a field day in your life which is exactly what Satan did to Job he had a he had one open door one open door Job had and Satan had a field day in his life and all he would do was speak fear and all he would do was speak things that weren't true and that's why it's important because there was no word there wasn't a word yet like there wasn't a bible Job had really honestly like not a lot to stand on the bible wasn't written until or sorry the torah or the whatever it wasn't written until Moses and Moses is is in the book of Exodus and and you can look it up for yourself but the book of Job comes right after the book of Genesis chronologically and Exodus comes after the book of Job so there was nothing there was no word there was and that's why it's important to have the word in you because this is how Satan works if you don't know the word he's gonna come for you he comes for you even if you do know the word Jesus was the word and Satan came for came for Jesus Jesus was literally the word of God <laughs> in the beginning was the word the word was with God and the word was God that's what John 1 1 says about Jesus Jesus is the word and Satan still came to Jesus and tried to tempt him so if you think that he won't do it to you sadly you're mistaken but anyway so I'm just gonna read this really quick this is Kenneth Hagin writing this and powerful anointed faith-filled man of God if you don't know who Kenneth Hagin is or if you never listened to Kenneth Hagin I highly recommend it his sermons a lot of his sermons are on YouTube you can just look up Kenneth Hagin sermons and they build so much faith so yeah you should do that and he also has a very powerful testimony because he was sick for a, a portion of his life and he used this stuff and to get healed he used the Bible the word of God as we all should so it says here God doesn't use sickness and disease to teach his children a lesson but God made Job sick someone said no he didn't the devil did yes but God gave the devil permission true but God didn't commission it you see God will permit you to rob a gas station but he won't commission you to do it no the Bible is plain about why sickness came upon Job. Job had said, the thing which I greatly feared is upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. And that's Job 3.25. So he himself had opened the door to the devil by being afraid. Bible scholars agree that the entire book of Job took place in 9 to 18 months. And in chapter 42, you can read about the works of God. For example, Job 42.10 says that God turned Job's captivity. That means when Job was sick, he was in captivity to the devil. When he was in poverty, he was in captivity to the devil. But God turned Job's captivity and gave him twice as much as he had to begin with. And that's Job 42 verse 10. 
Job lived 140 years after he got healed. And that's God's work. So that's what Kenneth Hagin says about Job's story. So Job doesn't end in the middle of the suffering, in the middle of Job's suffering. Job doesn't end after Satan successfully stole, killed, and destroyed whatever it is that he had from Job. Remember, the only reason that Satan comes, there's not any other reason for the enemy to come. John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come to give you life and more abundantly. So Jesus is saying that the thief only comes to steal, kill and destroy. That's the only reason why Satan comes. He doesn't come for any other reason. So if there's something that is steal that something that has been stolen from you, something that or someone that's been killed or or has died, obviously that's the enemy killing them. Um, or something has been destroyed. That is, those are works attributed to the enemy. All of those things happened in the book of Job. But in chapter forty-two. Verse 10, I'm going to read it for you guys and says, and the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. So if you don't remember what Job had before, let me take you back to the beginning of the book of Job and we're going to read it. It said he had seven sons and three daughters. So twice as much as seven sons and three daughters. So he had 14 sons and six daughters and all his possessions were 7,000 sheep. So in the end, Job 42, in the end of the book, after all of this stealing, killing and destroying was said and done, Job had 14,000 sheep. It says in the beginning he had 3,000 camels. So in the end, he had 6,000 camels. In the beginning, it said he had 500 yoke of oxen. So in the end, he had a thousand yoke of oxen. And 500 female donkeys is what he had in the beginning. And he ended up with a thousand donkeys. And he had a very large household so that this man was the greatest of all the people in the East. So everything that Job had in the beginning, which he had a lot to begin with, everything that got stolen from him was restored back twice as much as he had before. So he got double in the end. And people don't talk about that. People like to talk about, well, Job, uh, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. No. I've talked about it before and I'll say it again. Just because somebody said something in the Bible does not make it a true statement. So to some people that may sound a little blasphemous. But there's this thing, there's this concept that God put in his word in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. And it says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So there's this concept that God put in his word called rightly dividing the word of truth. So all of the Bible is truth. Everything in here is a factual statement. Everything in here factually happened in the Bible. It is true through and through. 
But just because something is written down in the Bible does not mean this should be applicable to my life. We can learn from other people's mistakes in the Bible. We can learn from what people did in order to not then go out and do them. But the Lord gives and the Lord takes away is not in his character. Who takes away? What is taking something away? That sounds a little bit like a thief. It sounds a little bit like somebody stole something. So Job said that the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But that's not true. Because in John 10, 10, it says the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. And then Jesus says, I have come to give you life and more abundantly. So am I going to believe the words of a man who got everything stolen from him? Yeah, he was righteous, but he wasn't redeemed. And his righteous was earned and temporal by the sacrifices that he had to make. Or am I going to believe the literal son of God? (laughs) I'm going with the son of God. And not to say that because it's in the Bible. It's true. What happened in the Bible is truth. I'm not denying that Job didn't say that. I'm just saying that it's not. It's not God's character to steal, to take away. God doesn't take things away because he's not a thief. If God is the one who's the author of life, if God is the one who knit your children in your mother's in their mother's womb, if God is the one who breathed life into them, why would he give them life and take that life away? That doesn't make sense. It's so schizophrenic to think that God would do something like that. God does not take away your children. God does not take away the things that he gave life to. He loves lives. He loves babies. That's why Christians fight so hard to end abortion. Because God loves children. He loves children. When Adam and Eve, he said, be fruitful and multiply. And yes, that's not just in relation to kids. But he wanted them to have a lot of babies to fill the earth. Think about all the kids in the Bible that God used in such powerful ways. And if they hadn't never, if they had never been born, they wouldn't have been able to be used like that. Samuel, Jeremiah, David, Moses, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they weren't um, babies, but they were like teenage boys, you know, and Jesus, the most important one. And and the way that you see Jesus interact with kids, all the disciples were going to turn the kids away from him. He says in Luke chapter 18, verse six, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. In Matthew 18, six, he says, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and be drowned into the depths of the sea. God takes kids, he takes children very seriously. He loves children. So the Lord doesn't give and take away. If God blessed you with children, he does not, he's, it's not in his plans to take them away. He has a plan for their life. That's what he says in Jeremiah chapter one, verse five. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born. I sanctified you and I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. So before you were even born, before you were even conceived, before you were in the womb, 
God knew you and he already had a plan set out for your life. So God doesn't give women and families children and take them away. That's not God. And there are plenty of other instances of people lying in the Bible. And so what Job said, it's, it's in the Bible. That's a scripture and it's true. Job said it. I'm not going to try to deny the fact that Job didn't say it. He said it. It's in the Bible. But just because he said it, I'm going to rightly divide the word of truth. I'm going to rightly divide the word of truth. And if you don't um, know what, I, what that means, I'm going to read it in another translation. It says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth, correctly handling the word of truth. The NIV says the New Living Translation says correctly explains the word of truth. So if somebody gets up and and starts talking about how the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, no, you're not correctly explaining the word of truth. Because yes, Job said that, but just because he said that doesn't mean that it's a true statement. It's a factual statement that he said, but it doesn't make it true. Because Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. Jesus didn't come to steal, kill, and destroy. So God can't come to steal, kill, and destroy. Because again, that's a house that's divided against itself. So if Jesus was down here saying, um, I've come to give you life and life abundantly, and God up in heaven is like, no, I'm, I'm trying to steal from them. That house is divided against itself, and it cannot stand. That house will crumble and fall. Godheads, the Godheads, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they cannot be in division. They can't be divided. They have to be united. They have to be in unity. They've never done their own things. Everything that Jesus said, he yielded to the Father. Jesus didn't say one word in his feelings, in his emotion, in his humanity. All Jesus said was all the Father wanted to say. John chapter 5 verse 19 says, so Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. So Jesus said, I only do what I see my father do. So if God was down here still, so if God was up there stealing, killing and destroying and striking people down with plagues and disease and sickness and poverty and lack and whatever it is, if Jesus, if God was up in heaven doing that and Jesus saw him doing that, Jesus would come down here on earth and he would lay his hands on healthy people and make them sick and die. And actually, I'm going to read you guys something that happened where people thought that Jesus did stuff like that, where God does stuff like that. So Luke chapter nine, verse 51, I'm going to read from 51 down. It says, now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he would steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and set and sent his messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. This is talking about Jesus to him. 
But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of the spirit you are of. For the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Jesus said, you don't know what manner of the spirit you are of. You don't know that that does not come from my father's spirit. He said, you don't know what kind of spirit you are of. He did not come to destroy men's lives, but he came to save them. Jesus is very consistent through and through. He doesn't switch up. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said that he's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. He doesn't change his mind. He doesn't go back on his word. He's not a man. He doesn't do things like that. He's not a human being. He's consistent. So anyway, I don't know how we got here, but we, we were talking about Job. Oh, yeah. Um, Job was account. Uh, Job was amounting the works of the devil to God. He was giving God the credit for Satan, for Satan's work. And of course, we know that Job didn't have the word of God. So he, he didn't know. But if you don't know something, don't speak about it. And we learned that from the book of Job because God came back and he rebuked him. He said, were you there when I formed the foundations of the earth? Who are you? Who are you? You don't know. In Job chapter 38, it says, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. He said, who is this who darkens the counsel by words without knowledge. The Amplified says, who is this that darkens counsel, questioning my authority and wisdom by words without knowledge? Job, you don't know what you're talking about. You're darkening my counsel. You're questioning my authority. You're questioning my character. He said, now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut in the seas with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb? And when I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band, when I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors, when I said, this far you may come, but no further, and here your proud waves must stop. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? That it may take hold of the ends of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it it takes on form like clay under a seal and stands out like a garment from the wicked their light is withheld and the upraised arm is broken have you entered the springs of the sea or have you walked in search of the depths have the gates of hell been revealed to you or have you seen the doors of the shadow of death have you comprehended the breadth of this earth tell me if you know all of this where is the way 
to dwelling of light and darkness where is its place that you may take to its territory that you may know the path to its home do you know it because you were born then or because the number of your days is great have you entered the treasury of the snow so god just goes on and on and on asking him questions do you know this do you know that how did this happen how did that happen you know everything you're talking, but you're lacking wisdom. You're speaking on something, but you lack wisdom. So God asks him all those questions and Job has no answer. Job's response to God is, behold, I am vile. What shall I answer to you? I lay my hand over my mouth. Once I have spoken, but it will not answer. Yes, twice, but I will proceed no further. The Amplified says, behold, I am of little importance and contemptible. What can I reply to you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I have spoken once, but I will not reply again. Indeed, twice I have answered, and I will add nothing further. He had nothing to say. Because it's like, yeah, you're right. I wasn't there in the beginning. I, I wasn't there when you formed the foundations of the earth. I wasn't there when you set the wind and the waves in the sea and put water here, put stars in the sky. I, I don't know. I wasn't there. You think you know so much about God and you talk out of the side of your neck and it's like, mm, actually, I don't know. I actually don't know. So that's basically what happened to Job. But in the end, he got restored double, twice as much as he had before. So the thief came to steal, kill and destroy. Job still had his life in the end. The devil wasn't able to kill Job, but God restored back to Job twice as much as he had before. Twice as much as he had before, God restored it back to Job. But people don't like to talk about that part of the story. People don't like to talk about that part. That in the end, Job got everything restored back to him double. They want to talk about Job going through the sickness. They want to talk about Job being uh, stricken with boils and his family killed and his wife and his friends accusing him. They want to talk about all of that, but they don't talk about God restoring everything double to Job. Evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth, he says this. And I wholeheartedly agree with him when he says that the book of Job is depressed Christians favorite book of the Bible. If you start talking about healing to a, a Christian that doesn't believe that you're healed by faith, that you can be healed by faith and that it's not um, just a one off chance move of God that you are healed, but it's by your faith. When you put responsibility on a person, people like to say, oh, well, what about Job or that God doesn't strike people with disease? They say, well, what about Job? God did this to Job. God allowed Job to go through this. When you are victorious, you look at the book of Job in a different way. But when you are a defeated Christian, when you feel like the enemy can beat you up, or when you feel like God can beat you up, you love the book of Job. The book of Job is your strong arm. It's, it's like the, the source of peace for those, for those kinds of Christians. So anyway, all that to say, this one thing that I did not know about the book of Job, and I feel kind of dumb, but it's okay, because I haven't read it yet. Pastor Adalis was, or Evangelist Adalis, 
Shuttlesworth, she was talking about healing. Like she's calling them Bible basics. She's going through and um, their AM or their morning broadcast. She's going through the doctrine of healing. And she brought up the Job thing. Like in a way of like trying to get that mentality out of people. But she said the purpose of the book of Job is to show that is to show man's need of a redeemer. And I was like, what? Man's need of a redeemer or a mediator. She said that Job cried out for a mediator. And I I looked it up and I mean, I'm not saying that she would lie about it, but I looked it up. Job chapter 9 verse 33 it says nor is there a mediator between us who may lay his hand on both on us both let him take his rod away from me and do not let dread of him terrify me then I would speak and not fear him but it is not so with me so Job was saying that he needed a mediator he needed somebody to give him access to talk to God He wanted to talk to God. He wanted to ask him questions. But he had no mediator. When you look at the book of Job through the lens of Jesus, you see your need. You see your need of Jesus. But if you're a Christian, you already have him. You already have the mediator. You already have the redeemer. I talked about it in the Wednesday episode. You are redeemed from the curse of the law. None of this stuff that happened to Job can happen to you because you're redeemed. And also, let me just talk about this one thing really quick. You cannot say that Satan has to go to to God to get access to tempt you. He didn't have to do it with Jesus. He just did it. This is a one-time thing. You cannot build doctrine off of what happened to Job. You can't build doctrine off of one circumstance, off of one situation that you find in scripture. It's not found anywhere else. It's out of the mouths of two or three witnesses. You can't build a doctrine off of one thing that happened. So anyway, you have a mediator and that person that mediator is Jesus Christ he is the one who mediates between you and God you can ask God questions and he has to answer you because he's made a covenant with you he didn't have a covenant with Job and if you want to know more about covenants go listen to my podcast about that I think I did a Wednesday word and then a Sunday episode after that he is bound blood bound to us He made a promise and more than a promise. He made a blood covenant, a two party agreement. It is legally binding and God does not go back on his word. Job needed a redeemer. Job needed a mediator, but we have one. Praise the Lord, because we're not in that covenant. That has nothing to do with me today. The book of Job, I can't relate to that. I've I've never been there and I never will be. I will never be in a place where I can't ask God what's going on. I'll never be in a place where I can't see that the enemy is stealing, killing and destroying. Because I have the Holy Ghost in me. I have Jesus in me. I have God the Father in me. I have his word in me and I know that when I see something that looks like somebody stole something like theft. 
or somebody was taken before it was their time that so that somebody would died. Satan stole them. He killed them. When stuff is going wrong, when things look like they're destroyed, or if he tries to destroy my faith, what he, which he can't do. I know that it's the devil, but God never leaves us. He promises to never leave you, never forsake you. He literally can't. Holy Spirit is in you. And if you don't know that you know that you know that you have that relationship with God and you feel like you can't talk to him, you feel like you're unworthy. You need to get right with the Lord. If there's sin in your life, if you've never repented of your sins, today is the day that you can do that. Today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off for tomorrow. So if you want to pray that with me, do that right now. Just repeat this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I admit that I have sinned. I believe in my heart that Jesus is your son and you raised him from the dead. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Give me the strength and the power to live for you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have prayed that prayer, you are now a son or a daughter of the Most High God. You are redeemed. You are restored. Jesus Christ was successfully your mediator. He mediated between you and God, and he still does that. You pray to the Father in Jesus' name. He's our mediator. He's your redeemer. God doesn't remember anything, none of your sins that just happened before you started listening to this podcast, that just happened before you prayed that prayer. You are a new creation praise the Lord. Thank you guys so much for listening. Go listen to those podcast episodes that I mentioned. Go listen to the Wednesday word from last week and let me figure out the names of the other ones too. It's called Covenants and Promises. I think you guys should go listen to that and find out more about covenants and also listen to the Wednesday word Salvation. And then after that, I started talking about the book of Hebrews, talking about in the book of Hebrews, a little bit about our covenant. So I'm going to continue that. I'm not going to stop reading through the book of Hebrews and learning more about our covenant, but um, I just wanted to do a part two of Wednesday's episode and clear up some things that I didn't get a chance to talk about in that episode. I know that it's really important that you have a good understanding about what happened in the book of Job and what happened in his story and stuff like that, because that is a book that a lot of Christians are confused about. And remember that fear is the opposite of faith. So if there is a fear in your life, if there is like what Job said, the greatest fear has come upon me. He opened a door of fear and that's how the enemy was allowed to have a field day in his life. You need to get rid of fear. You need to get rid of doubt because it will, it will cripple. It will literally cripple your faith. So if you are done with fear, if you made it up in your mind, I'm done with fear. You have to go listen to all of the episodes of your year of no fear read your Bible because that's going to build faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Again, follow the podcast on Instagram and I have an Instagram highlight of the year of no fear Bible verses that I've done up until this point. So thank you guys so much for listening. I love you guys and I hope you guys have a great week and I'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. Bye.